0: hi everyone just a reminder that this show is not legal advice trading advice financial advice or personal advice enjoy the show and thank you very much this is a re-release of smart contracts and we're re-releasing this episode because we wanted to know what smart contracts are because our next episode after this is with an attorney that handles icos and smart contract law and she is making a company. To deal with smart contract law, the wording, the legalities, the future of smart contracts. So please listen to this episode, and then our next episode will be with her, and we will answer a lot of questions I have and probably a lot of questions you have. Thank you very much. Yo, yo, welcome to Crypto 101, this is Matthew Aaron, and today we're going to talk about smart contracts. Now smart contracts are like all the rage, all the buzz. You see different people talking about them, Neho, Ethereum, Quantum, all these different companies are coming out saying we're going to do smart contracts. But what does that mean? And are they really smart? With this episode, I'm going to try to be as unbiased as possible. But during my research and everything I found, I've definitely come to take a side of what they're good for and what they're not good for. And what they're not good for can only be changed if, I don't know, some, you know, I don't know how it can be changed. But anyway, I definitely come out on his side and you're going to hear that, but let's just talk about what smart contracts are. First, smart contracts are basic if and then conditional statements. If you do something, then this happens. And I'll go into more examples in the future, but first let's talk about where did smart contracts come from first. And they were first proposed by Nick Szabo in 1996, but I also heard 1994. So between 1994 and 1996, Nick Szabo has proposed smart contracts. Now Nick Szabo is, I think you heard his name first in the Douglas Pike interview and um, he is a pioneer in this industry blockchain cryptography digital currency e-money and Nick Zabo is a computer scientist legal scholar and cryptographer known for his research in digital contracts and digital currency he graduated from the University of Washington in 1989 with a degree in computer science he also obtained a law degree from said university uh, Nick Zabo designed a mechanism for decentralized digital currency, he called Big Gold. Big Gold was never implemented, but has been called a direct precursor to Bitcoin architecture. In Nick Szabo's Big Gold scheme, and I don't like the word scheme because it sounds bad, but a participant would dedicate computer power into solving cryptographic puzzles. In a Big Gold network, solved problems would be sent on the Byzantine Fault Torrent public registry and assigned to the public key of the solver. Each solution would become part of the next challenge, creating a growing chain of new property. This aspect of the system provided a way for the network to verify and timestamp new coins because unless a majority of parties agreed to accept new solutions, they couldn't start the next puzzle. So this is actually very much like Bitcoin or the idea. Of course, it's different now, but you see where this is coming from, the evolution. Uh, so this was basically Nick Zabo. Another interesting fact of Nick Zabo is in 2008 a mysterious figure who wrote under the name of Satoshi Nakamoto released a proposal for Bitcoin. Nakamoto's true identity remained a secret, which led to speculation that in a long list of people speculated that Nakamoto could be Zabo, but Zabo has repeatedly denied it. So Nick Zabo and I almost am ashamed to admit that I didn't know who this person was before Doug Pike introduced him on the podcast. And now that I've been researching who he is and learning more about him, he's important. And I think Crypto 101 is gonna do a whole segment on Nick Zabo because of just how important he is. And I think it might take two episodes because the dude has done everything in this space. But I'm gonna move on for now. So, what is a smart contract? Like we said in the beginning, it is an if then conditional. And so, let's take this example. Let's say we're gonna hire somebody to shovel our snow. Winter time's coming up. Sometimes you get the plows. Sometimes you guys get the guys with a truck with the plow on the front of it. Sometimes you got some kids, you know, with a wagon and that's full of shovels. And they come over to your your, your doorstep, knock on the door and say, hey, you want to shovel? You want us to shovel your driveway? And you go, all right, give you five bucks, kid. Let's just take that situation. Let's just say little John comes over to shovel the snow. The situation is little John is going to shovel pat snow. So the contract could be read, written. If John shovels the snow... Then Pat will pay him five bucks. Maybe another line would be, if John shoveled the snow by 5 p.m., then Pat will pay him a hundred percent of the money. If John shovels the snow and is late by one hour, then Pat will pay him eighty percent of the money, and so on. If this is a normal contract, problems that could arise would say, you know, hey, you know what? I was just kidding, or you know what? I don't have the money right now, or uh you know i don't think that how actually i think it's worth four bucks or you got done faster than i thought i'll give you three bucks well the conditions were if john shovels the snow pat will pay him five bucks if john shovels the snow by 5 p.m pat will pay 100 percent of the money and so on so you see how that there's going to be less room for debate in the smart contract it's going to be a conditional statement and an agreement between two people leaving out the middleman so in a smart contract an asset or currency is transferred into a program and that program runs this code and at some point it automatically validates a condition and it will automatically determine whether the asset should go to one person or back to the other person or whether it should be immediately refunded to the person who sent it or in some combination of the different options that are in there Now, this is a quote from Vitalik and uh, what he says a smart contract does. Now, remember that this is going to be a P2P sort of agreement. Right now, you have different things in place that kind of use a contractual agreement for person to person, kind of like Airbnb or Uber. You have person A calling an Uber. The Uber driver, person B, comes, picks you up and drops you off upon completion He marks, I dropped him off, you mark, dropped him off. It's done. The Airbnb app, which is the third party escrow account, then transfers the money necessary in completion of the action. Now, what smart contracts want to do is they want to take Uber out of the equation. So Uber doesn't have to be involved. So for example, there's different blockchains and coins out there that are trying to make decentralized platforms. Things like BitShares, um, decentralized exchanges, um, kind of off, offer the same kind of idea. Imagine an Uber built off of a decentralized exchange, or I'm sorry, a decentralized company. And now everything is, fine, it's set up there, but this network of P2P individuals are now in, in contracts with each other directly through the blockchain. Now, if you're direct in direct contact with a person to try to do a service, then A smart contract would be kind of needed or necessary because we are now taking out the trust of this said third party but now we are just communicating with the driver driver take me here he takes you there if the driver takes me there then i pay him five bucks that is a smart contract why are people excited about smart contracts what are the benefits well as nicholas cornell professor at wharton school of business says there are two primary reasons why people are excited the first Is about gains in efficiency. Anytime you can automate a process and remove the human element, there's a possibility of transformative increases in efficiency and reliability. Just think about what computerization has done in other areas of our lives. Second reason, as Nicholas says, people are also excited about the possibility of removing human institutions, in particular, government institutions, from an important function that they are currently playing right now. Right now, contracts depend on a legal system administered by a government. This requires trust in a coercive and fallible authority. So for the same reason that Bitcoin enthusiasts are excited about the prospect of currency without a government, smart contracts enthusiasts are excited about the prospect of contracts without a government run legal system. So let's imagine a real situation, a tenant and landlord relationship. So the tenant is renting an apartment from a landlord. Let's just say it's a thousand bucks. And now that person doesn't pay their rent one month. The landlord then has to sue them to get paid. They can call the cops. The, The person says, you know, I'm not leaving the house. Then they sue the person for the court to get involved. The person goes to the judge, the tenant, and says, I didn't pay because my child was sick. I used all the money for rent this month on medicine. The judge finds this to be a good reason and then allows the tenant to pay in monthly installments however the landlord isn't happy now this is what's happening in the current system where there could be so much gray area for the payment to be done and this is what happens when you have interpretation of the law my my kid was sick therefore i didn't pay rent well you owe me a thousand bucks this is what i do this is my livelihood judge says well we have to buy the kid medicine so therefore let's have you get paid in the installments let's say 10 monthly install installments for the next 10 months. The landlord is like, come on now. The, the tenant just says, I promise that I'll pay plus every month rent from this point on landlord isn't happy. However, this is the system kind of that we could live in right now. Now let's look at the other side of this. Let's make a smart contract for the rent. If it's the fifth of the month, then tenant pays landlord $1,000. That money is in escrow, sorry, not in escrow, but in escrow-ish tied up in the blockchain with a commitment for said funds to be paid every month. There's nothing that you can do to get out of that because it's already there. However, this situation takes out the humanity of it. The rent is paid regardless of the situation because the money is already staked. It reminds me of like kind of the movie Elysium with Matt Damon. And, he, and in this situation, he goes to see his pro- parole officer. I don't know if anybody ever seen this movie, but okay, here's the situation. Matt Damon is going to work and he's standing in line and the robot police officers. And remember, they're all robots at this point. And the robot police officers, his parole officer in the future is going to be also a robot. And so the way that they react to these situations reminds me of a smart contract, if then situation and how the humanity is taken out of the equation. And I don't think that's a good thing. So the robot officers come over to Matt Damon's character on his way to work, harass him a little bit. He makes some jokes. The robot cops say that he's being disorderly and break his arm. That is now going to be filed into his permanent record. So it it seems as though the cops would have like an if and then sort of conditional smart contract. If Matt Damon makes jokes and it sounds disorderly or disrespectful, then I can take action. The cops took action, broke his arm. Maybe it's a little overboard, but who knows? That's not the protocols we're talking about. If Matt Damon is on parole and he violates conditions of his parole, then he has consequences. So if Matt Damon violates his parole, which is in this case, the violation is getting an involved with the cops, or having an altercation with the cops, or being disrespectful, then consequences happen. So in Elysium, Matt Damon then goes to the parole officer, and this clip is going to be linked in the description below. Uh, He goes to the robot parole, parole officer, and the parole officer says that you got into an altercation with the cops. And Matt Damon says, oh, let me explain. I made a joke. They overreacted. The parole officer, who is a robot, says, well, if this happens... I mean, he didn't say that, but you can see that this is how it's working. If the altercation with the cops happens, then I have to add time to your parole, which he did. Matt Damon then gets frustrated. And you can see that with his with his eyes and you know everything, his voice. And you can see that the parole officer probably has an if-then statement. If Matt Damon raises his voice above 75 decibels, or if Matt Damon has high heart rate, then it looks as though he's getting agitated. If Matt Damon gets agitated, then I will take action and offer him a sedative. If he doesn't take the sedative, then I will tell him to calm down. If, and you can see how this is going and there's no personal human con, you know, contact here. And at the very end of the scene, he says, would you like to talk to a human? And, and Matt Damon's like, no, I, I don't. And kind of mocks the robot parole officer in like a computer voice, no, I will not like to talk to a human. And the robot then senses his kind of condescending or mocking tone. Then he offers a punishment. So this is how I feel smart contracts to be. And you can see that even in this situation, that it's going to be disproportionate to who can validate or fight smart contracts and the gray areas of these smart contracts who has the time who has the money who is the one that's disenfranchised by you know whatever system that's going to be uh, implemented the other thing that we put into smart contracts here is yes it's if and then but how do you combat certain language how would a smart contract handle something a language that's vague or subjective how would you say to the best of your abilities, or your best efforts, or I promise to put my best efforts into completing a task, or goodwill, or do care. How do you define something like goodwill, best efforts, or do care? And who interprets it? Who is the interpreter of best efforts, do care? Now, interpretations is actually a really interesting word. How do you interpret nonverbal implications? Let's take an example. Let's just take the example of little John coming up to the door to say, I'm going to shovel your driveway. And Pat says, OK, so if John shovels the driveway, then Pat will pay him five bucks. If it's done before five o'clock, Pat pays 100 percent of the money. And little John, he's not shoveling shit, man. This, this kid is smart. He pulls out a flamethrower, starts flaming the whole driveway, melting all the snow. Pat comes out. He's like, what the hell are you doing, little John? And he's like, well, there's no more snow. You owe me five bucks. Well, you know what? Pat didn't like the means. But who's to interpret that? Another example. Let's just say you you tell somebody, hey, I race you for a kilometer. And they're like, okay, cool. First one to cross the finish line wins. One guy starts running really fast because it was implied that they're going to run. We kind of both know what he means because this is... I will race you. And when people say that, you kind of like, and you know, if you're standing there, maybe in the park or whatever, and you know, it's just implied, we're going to run. Maybe they're both standing there with running gear. Well, the other guy takes off running. The other guy sees there's a carnival right next door, hops into the cannon and shoots himself over the finish line, lands there, breaks a leg, says, hey, I won. And you're just like, what the? F-? But that's not what I meant. Smart contract. Who determines? that those means were the end. Now, do you have to write that in all the contracts? Is it possible to have a smart contract that implies the implied meaning or the nonverbal contingencies? Can you write a smart contract for all those means or nonverbal contingencies to meet that end? Another issue with smart contracts, in the law, some contracts are just illegal, like contracts to kill your mother, sorry don't want to talk about anybody's mother or killing anybody's mother hope nothing bad it happens to anybody's mother and everybody lives forever and ever and ever but it is illegal to make a contract and it's not enforceable by law to have a contract that is illegal however if this is a smart contract who is to determine that that contract is legal or not legal and where's the the line where it is legal and it's not legal so i was thinking of a of a Example of social media algorithm to help determine its legality. For example, let's use playing a concert. You have a band, you go to some, you know, local spot, concert has a couple hundred people in there and to determine if this contract is fulfilled, they put an algorithm on it. And let's just say that algorithm is just to see what happens over social media. And people are, are tweeting or putting on Facebook and they're putting things like, good show loving this band they played for three hours straight and all, by looking at all of these different things they put on social media they go okay the contract is fulfilled the band walked off they played for three hours everybody's in consensus that this was a great show something had happened the contract is fulfilled the band gets paid now what if the social media is riddled with different terms such as slang and some slangs are more popular than others you say, and they say something like they killed it they dropped a bomb on the audience they murdered that show. Now, colloquially, we know it's a win for the band. By the context, we, we kind of get it. Even if it's just those sentences, they killed it. They dropped a bomb on the audience. They murdered that show. We get it. Can the smart contract understand that? And does that just void the contract because of the legality? Or does the contract not care if they dropped a bomb, really, or murdered everybody in the show? And they just start fulfilling it. Oh, well, they were there. They showed up. It's ended. Done. Other problems with smart contracts is being on the same blockchain. Our smart tra- are smart contracts going to be able to be cross-blockchained? So, for example, you have Ethereum and you're on the Ethereum blockchain. Well, whatever. what happens if somebody else has another blockchain and this guy's using Ethereum this guy's using, you know, whatever, whatever other smart contract. Blockchain out there, Neo. And are they compatible? Who knows? I guess maybe if you just have to, you start using Ethereum blockchain, but it could be problematic. minor we'll think about it. Also, is it too transparent? Remember, these contracts are going to be on the blockchain, so people can see them. People can see them just like a, you know a ledger. You know, this guy has uh, this money Bitcoin or this bit much Bitcoin is sent to this place or blah blah blah. You know, it's distributed. People can, you know, figure out what's going on. Now, does that make it too transparent where everybody knows too much about X, X, Y, or Z business, and it doesn't make it competitive because now everybody sees these contracts open in the blockchain? Those last two problems, to be perfectly honest with you, in my opinion, I saw them on a website, uh, and I think that it was dated 2016. I don't think that they're that big of a problem, but... They mentioned them, so I'm gonna put them out there. Now, the way that I think smart contracts are going to come out, because remember, they're gonna be P2P, and just like having an HTML you know, website back in the day, or even I think, I think it was MySpace we would do this, It's but to change everything, we needed to know a little bit of code, a little bit of HTML. So if I wanted to change the color of my MySpace and pimp my page, I would have to add in HTML codes to my MySpace profile in one way or the other. And then I could have my purple background with some bedazzled shit and, you know, I don't know, whatever you're gonna pimp your page with. If you guys remember pimp your page, I, I just remember that now, that's, that's awesome. But it was too complex for the average person still. Imagine building a website before all of this where you actually had to write your own code in. Eventually it came to where these codes were just kind of like generic and people would just cut and copy and put in there. You want a purple background, purple background. You want this fault, cut, copy this code and put it there. Now, if you have something like Wix, making a website is easy. You just press purple and it turns purple. You wanna add Visa and MasterCard and Bitcoin payments. You just add the plugins. If you wanna do this, that, the other thing and work with Amazon, you add the plugin. If you wanna do these analytics for your website, you add the plugin. So I kind of feel that uh, blockchain and smart contracts will get to this point eventually where these systems are set up through the evolution of building on, on top of one and another and another and another over the course of many years that we will just be able to take phrases and throw them into our contracts or they'll have generic contracts for any kind of contingency. And so I don't think that a lot of these issues will be, uh, will, will arise from these scenarios however the human factor will be taken out and the humanity will be taken out eventually of these contracts in these relationships from from paying rent to ride services and, and, and whatever because these contracts will be so cut and dry kind of like the Elysium parole officer situation that I told you a little bit ago where Matt Damon was just trying to explain but the smart contract doesn't allow for explanation doesn't allow for creative interpretation, and how do you do this in a system, in especially business, where everything is so fluid and so gray? And what if the con- the conditions of the contract changes? You know, I've been in many situations where you're talking with somebody about business, and just a good example is being in a bar. You're in a bar with somebody you do business with. You start the night at dinner, and your guys are okay with everything. You next, you know, have four or five drinks. And you're talking and things change. Things just change because you guys got drunk. I had to understand each other's situation a little better. And now, what do you do? In a verbal agreement, it's very easy. It's amended through that time. You wake up in the morning and go, hey, man, it was good talking to you. So we're going to do it that way? Yeah, we're going to do it that way. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll drop the paperwork. Now, smart contracts might be a little more difficult to void, to get out, to manipulate, to change. And I would like to see how that's going to progress in the future. Um anyway, that's my thing on smart contracts. A couple of pros, cons. I have more cons because I think that the technology and the idea is just so new. And for me, it's kind of like driving driverless cars. We have so many questions about the possibilities in the whole gray area of driverless cars right now. We have no clue what is gonna happen. But you know, eventually there will be driverless cars on the road in mass. These situations will arise. Legislation will come up. The human factor still has to be in there. The legal system will still have to be there. And there will still have to be a trust system or trust in our legal system, at least for the time being, at least for the next 50 years, until these smart contracts start getting so adopted and so flexible that they do start replacing the legal system. And same thing with the smart cars. We're going to have to have a good legal system to legislate on all those contingencies that will happen and one of those things with smart cars or driverless automobiles is kind of like the situation where they keep telling you a kid jumps up into the middle road the car has two choices to hit the kid kill the kid or to veer off the road and fall off a bridge killing your family which one do you do now, they're both horrible situations. They're both horrible choices. However, these are real choices. Something jumps in the middle of the road, it could be a kid, and you have a choice. The, actually, the car has a split second choice of what to do go straight, hurting the kid, saving your family, or veering off the road. Which choice does the computer make? And who says the computer makes which choice? And which choice are is the driver com- comfortable with? Maybe some drivers would veer off the road because they're not going to be responsible for that. And maybe some drivers will go straight because they're not not going to put their family in danger. But who makes that choice? And I think that there's so many gray areas in this whole new automated kind of future that we have no clue how it's going to evolve. However, just because of those uncertainties and just because of those many uncertainties, there's so many more cons than there are pros at this point. Anyway, that's the podcast on smart contracts. A little bit longer than I thought, but thank you very much. And as usual, Crypto 101 can be found on SoundCloud Tumblr facebook crypto 101 twitter crypto underscore underscore 101 we can be found on instagram crypto underscore 101 email me at crypto.101 at outlook.com and we have blogs coming out so our tumblr's getting updated you saw the last one with uh the douglas pike interview we have the james lovejoy vertcoin interview coming up in blog form on steemit tumblr and on wordpress those will be sent out in mass of course on all of our channels and social media so thank you very much today's music was by alina paraz the song was called buzzin and hosini and jones the song is called groin thank you very much matthew aaron with crypto 101